the Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFD and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. Coming up on this week's show, we have news from Magellan Aerospace, British Vault and Defence Behemoth BAE Systems, plus much, much more positive UK manufacturing news. We also have a very special guest on the show, the CEO of Make UK, Stephen Phipson, CBE, and he's going to be telling us all about the super deduction, Make UK, plus many more topics. Before we get started, if you feel our podcast is offering the industry value, then help us spread the word by sharing the podcast on LinkedIn and your other social media platforms. It would really mean the world to us. Also, if you want to be a guest on the show, please reach out to us at podcast at mtdmfg.com. Joining me today, as always, is Stuart Whitehead. Stuart, let's get straight on with it. The UK manufacturing PMI, it surged to 58.8 last month. Great start to the month. Absolutely, Jay. The pubs are open, sunny shining, PMI at 58.9, highest reading in more than a decade. Business optimism is, is at a seven-year high. Manufacturers are hiring staff at the fastest rate since 2014. So great start to the month. Yeah, we, we see a lot of um, supposed bad news in, 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 in on, the, on social media. It's fair to say there's probably more good than bad at the moment. No, absolutely. And hopefully we're going to you know, cover a few of those this morning, Joe. For sure. So... Moog Aviation in Gloucestershire. This is a site I used to visit many moons ago, but obviously a new £40 million uh, site being put into Moog in Gloucestershire. Yeah, I mean, it's been a challenging time for the aerospace sector, but we are going to cover you know, a couple of companies in, in that um, area today. So Moog, £40 million factory, the broken ground on, on, on this uh, new facility in Tewkesbury in Gloucestershire. New York headquartered firm describes the investment as an integral part of its commitment to manufacturing in the UK. So great for the Southwest and, and great for the UK. Sure. Uh, Dyson as well. You know, there's a lot of jobs being uh, bought you know, in the UK, a lot of new jobs. Yeah, this is uh, very recent. So NAS plans to create 200 jobs in the UK as a part of a £2.75 billion global investment programme and build on its commitment to um and research into advanced robotics and AI. The new recruits will be based at Dyson's Innovation Campus in Wiltshire, which is one of the largest R&D hubs in Britain. Yep. Magellan Aerospace expanding its Wrexham site, creating 120 jobs. That's another facility I used to visit many, many moons ago. And I know they make some huge components for the aerospace industry. Yeah, they certainly do. You've certainly been around as well, Joe. Uh, yeah, so the components manufacturer, tier one supply to, to both Airbus and Boeing, is set to build a new assembly and a distribution facility. It's Rexham site in North Wales, as you say. And a Canadian-owned firm expects a multi-million pound investment to create 120 new jobs. So good news for North Wales. And uh, hopefully, you know, Airbus have had to let a couple of people go in that region. So hopefully, you know, those jobs would be very welcome. Well, let's take a brief pause for the news news from this week and bring in our podcast guest. On this week's show, we've got a very special guest who is no other than CEO of Make UK, Stephen Phipson, CBE. Stephen has been the Chief Executive Officer of Make UK since joining in 2017, and before that held various roles for UK government and large players from within the industry. So Stephen, a very warm welcome to the podcast. Can you just give us a brief background of you know who you are? Yeah, sure. And it's uh, it's very good to be here. And uh, thanks for the time. So, yep, I've been, as you say, Chief Exec of Make UK since uh, 2017. Before that, I was the Head of Defence and Security Exports for the government for um, about um, three and a half years, four years. 
and then spent a little bit of time before that in the Home Office in the Office of um, Security and Counterterrorism, helping with industry engagement on overseas programs. And that was a really interesting part of my career. But before that, I was, um, I'm was i an engineer by background and uh, I led a couple of the divisions in Smith's Group PLC of FTSE 100 in manufacturing. Before that, worked with uh, companies like Boeing Space and Defence and uh, did a traditional engineering apprenticeship. So um, most of my career has been in manufacturing and it's the area that I'm most passionate about. Morning, Stephen. I'm fascinating to hear your background, and especially that you know you came through the apprenticeship route, which we advocate for everybody uh, or most people. And can you also give uh, for the audience a brief overview of Make UK, its membership, its remit, um, etc., if you wouldn't mind? Sure. So yeah, Make UK. So it used to be known as the Engineering Employers Federation. In fact, um, next month it's um, or later this month it's 125 years old. So it's one of the not only one of the largest but one of the oldest uh, membership organisations in in the UK and for for industry. Um, currently, we've got we're representing around 22,000 manufacturing companies up and down the country, which is which which together combined employ about a million people out of the 2.7 million people employed in the sector. So we get a really good cross-section of all the subsectors and all the issues around manufacturing. And uh, as well as doing um, the, the representation and support work for the sector, we also actually provide um, a, a, a range of services for manufacturers as well. But one of the most important ones we do is apprentice training. We have one of the largest apprentice training centres in the country up in Birmingham, where we have a community of nearly 1,500 engineering apprenticeships doing robotics and mechatronics and all the sort of latest apprentice vocational skills that we need to deliver. And we also do a lot of training. We have a training group that does a lot of training for things like health and safety with many manufacturers. I think um, in, in normal times in 2019, we delivered about 20,000 courses to manufacturers up and down the country. And we also support them on things like HR legal services and uh, providing places for them to meet. We've got a venues business as well, where we use some of our facilities for conferencing for manufacturers. So a really integrated service offering, as well as doing all the representation work at the uh, highest levels of government. So for me, a, fascinate, a fascinating um, a fascinating organisation and one that's been around a long time, which I think is really good. So we understand the manufacturing sector very well. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating, fascinating for me for just the sheer you know the, the the diverseness of your business you must talk to somebody that makes cars and then the, somebody that makes watches and then an sme just starting up i guess yeah yeah we do we we have the whole range food and drink manufacturers through to as you say the big car companies are all part of it aerospace you name a sector and we we have that uh, in in membership and that gives us a really good um broad broad view of the challenges and the opportunities that the sector has and there are common themes that's the point i mean there's uh, and we can get onto some of those but common themes would be things like skills for example the digitization program that's going on as part of i4 uh, the fourth industrial revolution um and and these apply to all companies up and down the country and across all sectors so so we're very very happy to be able to advise and to push on those subjects with um with those companies that's a, that's an important part of the job Sure. And in last week's podcast, we, uh, we talked about the super deduction. Um, as a business, MTD and Jefferson, we endorse it. We think it's it, it's fantastic. Um, it, it needed to happen and it has happened. So that's good. But I know you've reinforced it at Make UK. You've, you've done a survey. Well, we have. And, and, you know, the survey was really around what people's reactions were to some of these interventions and the super deduction boost was, was one of them. I mean, 
anything that's going to stimulate investment is a positive thing, to be very clear. We saw in the last 12 months around a 30% reduction in investment in manufacturing companies, a lot of that due to the pandemic and the uncertainty around what the new trading arrangements with the EU are going to be like and things of that taken together have sort of you know dented people's confidence. We are starting to see confidence come back. And we were very pleased to see that the Treasury and the, and the Chancellor recognised an opportunity to try to encourage and stimulate actual investment more. So, yes, of course, welcomed it. I mean, it could have been a bit longer. Two years is quite a short period. And of course, in some cases, if you look, some of the larger companies tend to lease a lot of their equipment. So not so relevant for them. But for that community of midsize and SMEs in manufacturing, it's uh, it's been very well received. And we hope to see people bringing forward their investment plans to try and get us back into that investment mode to reverse the trend we've seen for the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly that. No, exactly. That. Anything that stimulates. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Investment in plant, investment in, in people, which they almost come hand in hand. You need more plants quite often. You need more people. Yeah, you do. Particularly now we're looking at um, a whole raft of new opportunities. And, um, you know, in that context, the investment uh, part of this is going to be critical. And uh, in the slowdown we did see last year will have an impact because it takes time to invest in plant and machinery. Also, investment in manufacturing is a, is a long-term sport. You know, people talk about 10-year cycles for investment in in our sector. So um, so the quicker we can get everyone back investing again with confidence, and it's good to see the confidence increasing over the last couple of months, then um, then we're going to be in much better shape for the future. And just a couple of questions on the, on the survey, Stephen, if I may. Um, I know one of the points you made was, that, you know, the, the partnership between government, industry, and the UK's world-class science base is absolutely key to this. Um, is that, do, do you feel as a those kind of partnerships, I know we've seen the capital centres and, you know, AMRC and so forth in these, you know, the, the, these incubators. Is that absolutely at the epicentre of, of this to, um, you know, to, to make a, a difference over over a long period? And also, and I know that, so I think it was, um, it's also mentioned that historically the UK's investment performance has been below par. So do you feel as though this will have a massive impact on that or is this really the start of a long journey really to, to, to remedy that? Well I think the answer is it's the start of a long journey most things in manufacturing are fairly long long journeys I would say yeah. but but I would say the um, um, initiatives like the catapult networks have been incredibly successful and very beneficial to thousands of businesses when we see what's happened with um, the interventions that the high value manufacturing catapult have made the MTC with additive manufacturing processes I mean we are um, certainly leading in Europe now with those kinds of interventions and uh, amongst the best in the world at some of those technologies now, and which is which is great for our manufacturing base because, you know, that's that's where government intervention can really accelerate a lot of these uh, changes to new technology and particularly important for digitization. You know, this is one thing where we are encouraging more and more of the smaller companies to get on that journey of of taking advantage of digitization in their business because it has such a big effect on productivity and competitiveness going forwards. So initiatives like Made Smarter, vitally important to the sector and uh, encouraged to see the government support for that. Of course, we're always asking for more support so we can roll that out to more companies, but absolutely vital to keep us ahead of the curve and keep us competitive in a global market, which of course is even more important now than ever. And just following on from that, thanks for, that, uh, for those answers and that clarification. So. In terms of moving forward, you know, this year, what kind of support and, you know, further strategies would you like to see from the government to, to support the sector? 
So, so always number one. It doesn't matter what we're surveying surveying on in terms of a manufacturing uh, sector, but always number one issue is skills. Skills yeah. is always the concern of most companies. You can't operate manufacturing sites without the right level of skills, and that's both a combination of you know university graduate level skills, but also vocational skills. Absolutely vital. Uh, it doesn't matter how clever we are. We still need people to run the CNC machines and the robots on the shop floor. Really important to do that. And at the moment, we've got, a, a, I would say, a patchwork of different initiatives on skills from government. Sometimes it's quite complicated to navigate, particularly for smaller companies, all kinds of local initiatives and national initiatives. The apprentice levy scheme has not operated as well as it could do over the last few years. And so we've been working quite hard with DFE and they are receptive to the ideas, but we do need to see progress on trying to have a real proper national approach to this uh, vocational skills requirement. And also the other point to bear in mind is that we have a lot of, um, as well as having an aging workforce in manufacturing, uh, which is concerning people, we need to attract more youngsters into the sector, absolutely vital. And we need to change some of the skill sets. So we need to more have many more people coming into the sector who's got digital skills and analytic skills to be able to take advantage of the digital revolution that's going on. So skills is always up there as well as number one issue, I would say. And the other thing that we're getting increasing interest on is exports. A lot of companies interested in exploring new markets. You know, we've one of the interesting problems of having some now challenges around the traditional um, market of the EU in many respects is that many of those companies are saying, well, what other, what other areas of the world can we actually address now? Where can we look to to export a lot of our capability? So it'll be a lot of work in terms of exports and some of those new trade deals and taking advantage of that. And then, of course, I would say the other point would be net zero and all the net zero technologies. This, this sort of falls into two halves. One is many companies thinking about how to improve their own operations, to, uh, how, to how they can do that, make them more efficient, and uh, contribute to net zero. But not only that, we've got the development of new technologies, such as hydrogen technology, um, such as carbon capture usage and storage, or electric vehicle supply chain, where we've got to transition a lot of companies that were making internal combustion engines to making components for electric vehicles. Really big opportunities for manufacturers to really scale up into the latest technologies there. And I think there's a lot of, um, lot of positive energy around that and a lot of confidence about the future. Mm. But of course, you know, a lot of this has got to be the tone of that has to be set by government as well to make sure there's clear plans around supporting the sector to uh, to to grow into these new areas for the future. I think that's very important. And there is a good dialogue with government, I would say. But we continually will continually press on them to support what is a, a great manufacturing sector. I think if you look at um, last year, um, we did see a really good um, response by manufacturers to the pandemic in changing their capacity towards manufacturing ventilators and PPE and test kits now. Um, a really, really important response because I think the Prime Minister certainly recognised that you need a resilient manufacturing sector in times of need to be able to turn to. You can't depend solely on overseas sources. And I think that's given everyone quite a boost in terms of the importance of the sector to the country. Yeah, I think I think it's within everyone's nature, isn't it? As good as we're doing, as good as the government can be doing it's in our nature we always want more do you think do you think it would help if there was someone you know some people in government with manufacturing in their job title um well there are at the official level i mean and we do um have um one or two people in, in a very senior position that uh, are familiar but of course you can never have enough 
people that have got experience of the sector and appreciation mm-hmm. of it. Well, I spend quite a bit of my time talking to ministers and encouraging them to visit manufacturing sites. And I must say, certainly the uh, Quasi, the new uh, business secretary, sure. is very good at engaging with business. Yeah. It's the only way you're going to get them to really understand the sector, I think. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But like uh, my previous statement, we always, as manufacturers, we always want more, don't we? Always want more support. But Stephen, many thanks for coming on today. It, it's been great to learn about yourself, about Make UK, and where you see, you know, where you see, um, yeah, the industry moving forward. And we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing to speaking to you again. Thank you very much. Wow, a fascinating interview there with Stephen. Absolutely, Joe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at podcast at mtdmfg.com. And we are specifically looking for SME manufacturers as well to join the show. We really want to get a good balance between the larger manufacturers and, and the, the smaller and family-run company. Yep, so get back on with the news. That's what we're here for. Alexander Dennis, British, uh, Britain's largest bus manufacturer. It's won another huge order. Yeah, so uh, this is... Uh, Certainly one of the most popular stories over the last couple of weeks, Joe. So as you say, Alexander Dennis, Falkirk, you're based in Falkirk, um, Britain's, Britain's biggest bus manufacturer, which is easy to say. Huge export order for 198 double-deckers from Berlin-based public transport operator BBG. So um, these have actually been designed in Britain as well the first the first time. So, yeah, the Berlin's iconic yellow buses will be built to Alexander Dennis's factories in the UK with the Scarborough site leading the final assembly. It's incredible, Stuart. Every week we seem to be talking about Alexander Dennis, whether it's on this show or, or, or just on social media. They're, they're absolutely flying. No, absolutely. You know, and, you know, I think we, we talked about it last time, you know, Alexander Dennis are maturing the chassis production as well. Um, you know, historically being, being made abroad by the partner and, and imported. So, and we're certainly seeing a space of, you know, reshoring Alexander Dennis leading the way, as you say. Yeah, another company. It's never far from the news. Is BAE Systems. I know we've got some uh, some good stuff to report on that company as well. Yeah, they, they've re- released a, a well revealed for the first time the contribution that Dreadnought, the replacement program for the Royal Navy's Vanguard class submarine, um, makes to the British economy. And uh, you know, extraordinary figures. It, you know, it supports thirty thousand jobs across the UK, including eight thousand at BAE. Seven and a half billion pound is set to be spent with more than. 1,500 British suppliers. BAE is also investing £1 billion transforming its bio site to accommodate the new class of boats. So people may have opinions about Dreadnought and this type of, you know, this type of submarine and defense, you know, defense spending in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the impact it has and the jobs it supports, can't, you know, it can't be faltered. No, no, absolutely. It's the numbers, it, it's staggering. I can't remember seeing an infrastructure, you know, a, a program that, you know, attracts so much, you know, jobs to the UK. I'm, I'm sure there are, but it's absolutely fascinating to learn of all these, all these new jobs. And obviously it, the Royal Navy, it, it's, it, it's a good opportunity to be joining there as well. So, you know, British Vault, again, been in the news all the time, it seems at the moment, but I think they've just gone one step further to making this a, a reality. Yeah, the British Vault, have, you know, has appointed quite, you know, some senior people within industry in recent times as well. And it's, it's now actually bought the flight, well, the former flight power station site in Northumberland, earmarked for its first, you know, for its, its new gigafactory. And again, the numbers are, you know, are astonishing. £2.6 billion investment, um, one of the largest industrial investments in the UK, expected to create 3,000 direct jobs and thousands more across the UK supply chain. We talked about this before in terms of the, 
you know, commitment and requirement for, for gigafactories across the UK. We know that, the, you know, we need maybe three, four different, re, you know, areas of the country. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a challenge for them to, to raise the finance. You know, obviously that's always going to be a difficulty if you're looking to, to raise two and a half billion pounds. But, uh, but yeah, certainly moving in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about aeroplanes. We've talked about buses. We've talked about a submarine. Now we're going to talk about cars. Uh, Rolls-Royce motor cars, their highest ever first quarter sales results in 116-year history. Is how, how many of those did you buy? I've just got three, as we talked about last time. I'm more interested in Norton, in the Cheshire Hills, Joe. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, between the 1st of January and 31st of March this year, Rolls-Royce delivered 1,380 cars to customers, which is up a massive 62% on the corresponding period last year. Sales growth was seen in all of its key markets, with the strongest in China, the United States, and Asia Pacific. So it's, um, you know, Bentley, you know, the luxury car manufacturers um, are doing particularly well. Bentley have come out and, you know, they're, they're on track for a record year as well. And um, so when we, when we post about Rolls-Royce motor cars and Bentley on social media, there, there is always a little bit of negativity, you know, in terms of, oh, you know, the pandemic's not really affected the, you know, the, the, the wealthy. But, you know, you, you can't, again, you can't knock what they're doing. And, you know, the vast majority of these cars are being exported. Yeah, no, it, it's fantastic. You know, if don't get me wrong, we'll, we'll all like to increase our wealth. But the, if the rich are getting richer and they keep buying expensive cars, it keeps middle class people in jobs, I suppose, isn't it? Absolutely. It filters, you know, right through the supply chain. And um, so, yeah, I think it should be celebrated. Um, absolutely, Joe. Quite. Uh, another one, Siemens Mobility. Some uh, some fantastic news there again. Huge investment from Siemens. Um, so the latest one being in conjunction with the University of Birmingham, um, they are set to build a new rail innovation centre in Goole. Um, £50 million investment, 250 jobs expected to be created. And this will complement the new £200 million train factory under construction in the Yorkshire town. So, Again, you know, the, the, they talk about the, I believe it's 700 direct jobs with, with the new train factory, um, 250 during the construction phase, well over a thousand, you know, across the UK supply chain. So, you know, we need jobs and we want manufacturing to be right the vanguard of the post pandemic, um, future of Britain. And these type of investments and this kind of scale of investment is, is exactly what's required. Yeah, and obviously doing it in, in you know in a co- cohesive manner with the University of Birmingham. Obviously, you're gonna we're gonna be upskilling people and, and bringing new people in, into the industry too. Absolutely, you know I think that kind of you know STEM engagement in, and educating and encouraging people to consider engineering and manufacturing careers is absolutely critical. And it's 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 kind of we, you know before the pandemic there was a huge skills gap. There is going to be a skills gap as we recover you know from the pandemic. So anything that you know encourages young people to consider a career in, in this industry, it you know, has to be welcome. Yeah, JCB, it, again, it gets a bit repetitive, doesn't it, with all these orders, but they just keep doing it week after week after week, it feels like. Another another £65 million order for over 2,000 of their machines. Yeah, as you're saying, JCB are flying great start to the year. I mean, since February, the, the firm's created 850 jobs on a £26 million order from Ardent Hire. This 60 60- Five million pound order from Sunbelt Rentals, which is the biggest order from a UK customer in the British manufacturer's seventy-five year history. So, it's um, you know, as most manufacturers did last year, they 
you know, they had the challenges that, you know, they, they suffered, um, they, you know, they, they were looking at pivoting production and so forth to help with the ventilator challenge. Um, you know, but, but it's fantastic to see them back and the constriction market is, is soaring worldwide. So JCB are obviously going to benefit from that and their employees and all the, you know, the supply chain partners as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of these orders, actually, obviously they export a lot, but a lot of these orders are for UK businesses, aren't they? So that tells us we must be, I guess, building a lot of factories, building a lot of, uh, you know, residential developments as well. I think it was a couple of days ago, the construction, you know, similar to the PMI that we've referred to um, before, you know, the construction figures were really, really strong as well. So as you say, it's certainly making a, you know, it's a healthy comeback. And you know, people talk about construction. Well, what's that got to do with manufacturing? Well, it does. But, you know, you've got people like Ipsoc, Brick, and you know, brick manufacturers and um, around the UK and, and the supply chain. So there is a close correlation between construction and manufacturing. Yeah, and we've talked about Rolls Royce motor cars. It, it would hardly be fair not to mention Rolls Royce. You know, aviation. You know, it started building the world's largest aero engine here in Derby. Absolutely, and Rolls Royce and Rolls Royce motor cars quite often. Uh, People get confused on social media. They are separate companies. And Rolls-Royce has started building the, the world's largest aero engine. It's demo work site in Derby. The Ultrafan demonstrator engine will be tested at the aerospace giant's new £90 million testbed 80 facility, which is due to open in Derby in the next few months. So good news from Rolls-Royce. We've, we've talked about Magellan. So hopefully we talked about MOOC. So there's three really strong, positive stories in the aerospace sector, which hopefully is a uh, is an indication of what's to come, you know, for the remainder of this year. Yeah, for sure. So it's, I think we've run through 11 positive news stories today. We, we could have probably done 20 or 30. There's been a lot of good news in the last, in the last few days. Obviously we we'd want to keep these podcasts as short as we can, but if you go to our various channels, the Jefferson on, on, on theirs, MTD, MFG on theirs, you can see all the, all these stories in full, but that that's going to bring the end to another episode of the great British manufacturing podcast. I would like to thank our guest, Stephen Phipson, CEO of Make UK, my co-host Stuart Whitehead, but as always, our biggest thanks goes to you at home for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on future episodes, please email podcast at mtdmfg.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at mtdmfg and at jefferson underscore mfg.